All right, howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, email, howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Where we raise the roof. (laughs) It's fun. You guys should try it. Stop being so cool and raise the roof. And rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we'll heart punch you and throw your heart into a flame where it will turn the color of nothing because you're a traitor. (laughs) I was going to say black, like your soul. Yeah. Yeah. Like tar. Yeah. And now, Howler Pod. The demon lifts a black curved blade, dripping gore and effluence. Its helmet slithers back, and then firelight bathes Darrow's face as he cocks back his head and howls. Hello, Howlers! Welcome to Howler Pod, your podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow! I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers! <laughs> Hello. What are we doing today, Aaron? That was bubbly water. <laughs> Chapter 63 through 70. Mm. Reread Lightbringer. Let's uh, load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully we don't shit our suits or pee our pants before we get our hearts ripped out. <laughs> Chapter 63. Lyria mash chaters. Lyria has been left out of the planning, and she doesn't like to be left out. So Who does? she sneaks around. She finds a uniform. She goes to the command center and pretends to be Rona to get access. They let her through, and she makes it in. But her visit is very brief because Severo grabs her by the ear and pulls her back into the hall. He makes sure that she didn't see anything on the screens, and she didn't. Lyria says that she wants to talk to Darrow. A few hours later, Darrow and Severo come into the commissary where Lyria has been waiting. Lyria makes her case to Darrow that she can help win Volga over to their side. Lyria even speaks Nagal now. Darrow is wary, saying that if she goes behind enemy lines, they won't be able to help her or save her life. Severo is willing to take that risk. Plus, she doesn't know about the thing So there's no risk (laughs) to their secret plan. (laughs) Chapter 64, Lysander, the noble lie. Lysander and his 10 Praetorians land back on the repaired Lightbringer as it arrives in Ilium. They are sporting fresh wounds inflicted by Atlas to help sell the story of a faw ambush on the Dustmaker. Lysander's return is celebrated by his followers aboard the Lightbringer. They all buy the whole story, look hook line and sinker lysander is caught up on the latest happenings on mars basically it's siege and stasis lady bologna's rep palace is like we got to get back to mars immediately but no no lysander he has something much more noble to do 
They must save the people of Ilium from Fah. The rest of the group is reluctant at first, but Lysander stirs them and has them all cheering and ready for battle after taking back Imperium of his fleet. Lysander then retires to his stateroom and meets Pytha there. He had vowed to tell her the real truth, but cannot bring himself to disappoint her. Pixie. And ends up telling her the same old lies. And uh, Lysander cries into her arms as he recounts the horrors of Kaliki. And she comforts him. That's a weird time. (laughs) (laughs) Their whole relationship is weird to me. Yeah. Chapter 65, Lyria into the Maelstrom. Lyria is on her way to the sea lift to go up to Heraklion with a message in her pocket from Darrow to Volga. To her surprise, Cassius and Sigurd join her. Cassius couldn't just let anyone drop Lyria off. Very special. They are all going to meet Goodmund and Fenrir, who are going to deliver Lyria to Volga. The lift doors open, and they head out into the station toward their transport shuttle. But then Lyria sees a strange shadow up Mm. above. Then all hell breaks loose. The Harbinger? Harbinger. (laughs) Harbringer? Harbringer. The Harbinger starts to kill the civilians, and I could not figure it out. Is that an obsidian or an Ascomani? It's an Ascomani. But he's like eight feet tall. Yeah. There's big Ascomani. I was confused by that. They have multiple sizes. Uh, I thought they were the little guys. No. All right. A big ass Ascomani starts to kill all the civilians. Yeah, one variation of them. Ah, damn. Mm -hmm. Chapter 66. Lyria, the fall of Heraklion. The crowd, they start freaking out. And rightfully so, because this fucking harbinger is scary as hell. Cassius and Sigurd take control and start pushing their way through the crowd. Ascomani are starting to come out of the woodwork. This quickly descends into full-on chaos. Uh, they're just about to get their transport. Then it's blown up with a missile. And Lyria flies back like a ragdoll. She's now getting trampled. She manages to make it back to her feet. She's desperately looking around for Cassius. The whole place is turning into a bloodbath. Lyria locates Cassius, and they are joined by Sigurd. It's time to get the fuck out of here, but they can't fly out because there's missiles flying everywhere, and so they have to run out. Uh, and they make it to some jump pads so they can start like moving up the higher levels of the city and get away from all this destruction and chaos. And they're going to meet Sigurd's friends in this relic garden. They make it there. But Sigurd is warned that there's Ascomani that have landed nearby and don't want to fuck with them. And Cassius for sure doesn't want to fuck with them because they will kill him and take his armor like immediately. So it's time for him to leave. He's reluctant, but Lyria is like, you got to get out of here. So he kisses her on the head and then he leaves. <laughs> uh, the Ascomani, they're claiming loot in the area. And Sigurd and Lyria, they go to their knees in an effort to not challenge them. But Sigurd kind of ruins that immediately because <laughs> they start grilling him and they're like, why are you here? And he's like, and he's fuck like, off. Go, he says, go fuck a goat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't like that. And they're like, we're going to fuck you up, dude. And you're, we're going to take your slave too. And you need to give us anything else that you have. And just before they're about to like pop off, Goodmund and Fenrir show up. Uh, Fenrir is a stained. And he's basically like, you fuck with him. You fuck with me. Capiche. And the Askamani are, you know, not happy, but they're like, all right, it's probably not worth it to mess around with the stained. 
they leave. And then Lyria hops on Goodman's back and they fly up to their shuttle. They're going to head off to Volga. Piggyback ride. (laughs) Piggyback ride. (laughs) Chapter 67, Lyria, Volga. Fenrir and Goodman deliver Lyria like loot to Volga's warship. Lyria is taken from the hangar and put in a stateroom. She falls asleep without meaning to on the couch. And when she wakes, Volga is in the room watching the hollow message from Darrow, but it's not Darrow on there. It's Severo. Mm -hmm. Severo's talking about Ragnar, about his good deeds as well as his bad. He tells Volga that Fa is working for Atlas, that this campaign spits in the face of what Ragnar was fighting for. He says Volga must take her place as queen of the Volk and throw off Fa and Atlas's yoke. After the message, Volga comes over and sits by Lyria. They are friendly to each other, acting like it's old times. They're like, mm. hey, sister. But it's not old times. Lyria says that she came for Volga to bring her home. Volga says she's already home here with her people. Mm. Lyria's like, I'm your people. <laughs> that was like a weird, <laughs> not Irish accent. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Volga is suspicious that Lyria is just a tool for Darrow. Volga doesn't believe that Fa is working for Atlas. Volga very much believes all that Fa has sold her, and Lyria is in disbelief at this. Volga had Me too. (laughs) The more you read, you're like, Volga is so stupid. (laughs) She's just like, what? Snap out of it. I don't now I'm like, was she ever smart? I think she's pretty gullible. <laughs> yeah. She's kind of like a follower, not mm-hmm. a leader. Volga had a chance to kill Fa to avenge Ephraim, but Volga chose her people instead, and she's proud of that choice. Volga says Lyria never knew her. And Lyria's like, fuck you. Lyria reminds you of all that they went through together, but Volga doesn't soften. She won't be used to dethrone her grandfather just for Darrow to discard her and take the throne for himself. She talks like a warlord now. Quote, everyone from history hailed today was a butcher. Violence builds empires. Why are the Obsidians villains if every other great people (laughs) has done it? And Lyria is like, fuck. (laughs) She's really, she's deep into the shit. She's like, oh no. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) die. Volga offers to send Lyria back to Mars to her own people for old time's sake. But Lyria says she's not leaving without her. Volga calls her a fat rat gamma, which is so rude. That is mean. You're just a fat rat gamma. (laughs) That was good. And shows Lyria. Volga dumps the heads of Fenrir and Goodman out mm. onto her lap Poor and is guys. like, are you scared now, bitch? <laughs> and Lyra is like, I'm always fucking scared. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm not leaving without you. <laughs> so lyra has got some gonads. I would have been like, does. okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Seems like a lot. I'm out. <laughs> I kind of like those guys. Yeah. Uh, chapter 68, Lyria, the king and his court. Lyria flies on Volga's ship toward the famed Nixian Isles of Europa. Each island is hosting a party for Fa's followers. They're celebrating their conquest of the surface before they <laughs> go for the deep. <laughs> Lyria talks with Sounds a copper. Like a cool party. <laughs> Lyria talks with a copper in service to Volga and gets some background on Fa and how he manipulates the Volk. 
Uh, she is fit with a muzzle and then brought to Fa's feast on the Isle of Zeus. It is a grotesque and absurd affair as the Jarls celebrate and Fa watches on from his throne. Fa receives the trident of Igneus from one of his obsidian followers. Eventually, Volga is called up with Lyria and Fa speaks with them both. Lyria tries to tell the Volk that they are pawns, but nobody pays attention. Fa tells Volga her penchant for mercy makes her weak and that she needs to prove who she is. But before they can do that, they must feast. And in order for them to feast, they need their sigil beast, his Jarls. <laughs> what do we need to feast? We need our sigil, sigil beast. beast. <laughs> his Jarls have been hunting. Fa booms. Where is Kyaxeres? Where is he? Chapter 69, Lyria, Hour of Hunger. The Leviathan is lifted up onto the altar. It's huge, like really big. <laughs> it thrashes around until Fa jumps up and stabs it with his trident over and over and over in the head until it stops thrashing and gives the saddest moan in the entire universe. Well said. Volga is looking away, ashamed. Lyria has tears in her eyes. It's like Europa is dying. Hundreds of enslaved reds come to butcher the Leviathan and distribute the meat. Fa brings out one prisoner from each color except red and obsidian. Sigurd and Lyria look at each other like, oh, we're totally fucked. <laughs> I love that moment where they're both just like... <laughs> they're like, oh, you... Me, oh, no, dude. Fa tells Volga that she needs to take her passage of stains. He gives her the heart-ripping-out gauntlet glove thing <laughs> she must take their hearts to wash away the taint of weakness from her volga says but she's my only friend but fa says she has to choose between her past and her future chapter 70 lyria passage of the stains i hate to say this but you know volga just really starts in she's like closes her eyes and she's <laughs> like all right she gets shark eyes i'm punching hearts out and she does and she just starts going down the line and in the background we've got reds just carving up this sad leviathan lyria is freaking out volga is moving down the line one by one heart by heart uh but lyria starts to notice is something weird going on with the leviathan there's some movement and bulging from the inside it's almost like something <laughs> Is trying to make its way out of there. Where is it? Volga takes poor Sigurd's heart as he attempts one last time in vain to stir the Volk to action. Hail! She now stands in front of Lyria and is having serious doubts. Fa tells her to kill her weakness. Lyria is terrified, but tries to reach her friend one last time. At last, Volga finds herself once more. She can't do it. Her arm sinks to her side. Then someone screams. They turn towards the Leviathan and see a demon born from inside. And it's got a razor. And then the figure's helmet slithers back. And Firelight bays Darrow's face as he cocks back his head and howls. What a great moment. Man, Lyria almost fucking died. <laughs> like how much she's like chattering and yeah. shaking. That is just pure fear. Volga. I would not want to be. Kill a lot of people 
That was a lot of people. <laughs> this is and, and you, very slowly. And you already killed a dragon. Like I'm upset and with her. I'm sure she killed lots of innocents in battle. Right. It's tough. <sighs> ben, what's the theme for these chapters? This week's theme is choices. Lots of choices. Some some are made poorly. <laughs> <laughs> we've got some good choices. We've got some bad choices. But we've got characters faced with choices. Yes. And we're going to start with Lyria. She has got this choice where she's... And this is in... Her, our first quote was from her conversation with Darrow where she's like, I have to do this. I have to go save Volga. You have to let me go. He's like, no, I don't want to let you go. You know, it's too dangerous and I can't protect you. And she's like, it's my choice. I yes. want to help. Uh, so we've got Lyria, just the passion, the the conviction of character. And she just, I love like how much she cares about Volga in this moment, even though Volga doesn't fucking deserve it. Right. Uh, Lyria is like, not deserve it. I'm going to bring back my friend no matter what. Uh, so let's hear Lyria here. The further and further I go from Mars, the more I miss it. The more I want to fight for it. Lads and lasses younger than me will be shouldering rifles against Atlantis soon, if they aren't already. Lads and lasses that lasted the assimilation camps, like me. It wasn't their choice either to leave the mines. You chose for us. But they ain't hiding or whining like I've done. They're fighting. This is my choice. I want to help. This is our, our Lyria just embracing her agency. You yes. Know, what and a, she's also using some like guilt tripping. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She's like, you fucking <laughs> ruined my life. Right. You have to let me <laughs> yeah. try to save my friend. Yeah. She's doing, she's a little manipulative here yeah. as well, but and, I mean to get her way. Uh, but just like compare this Lyria to like the iron gold Lyria, who's like, all this terrible shit's just happened yeah. to me and I didn't want any of it. She's like, yeah, all this shit's happening, but I'm going to take control. I know what I can yes. can do. I know what I, I have to give, what I have to offer. And it's something and she's that she's ready you, to fight now that you need and that you can't possibly do. Like they can't turn Volga, Severo and Darrow. Like, and they can't sneak around either. Yeah, the only person that can do this is Lyria. So she's like, let me have this choice. I want to be able to do this. Daryl relents and obviously she gets to go. So our next choice is our friend Lysander, and he's got our, our what? <laughs> yeah, our I say friend. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. He has a choice to tell Pytha the truth. Yes. Or not. And he chooses not. <laughs> and why do we feel like he chooses to not tell the truth? Well, I think he doesn't. It's not that he doesn't trust Pytha, but he has decided he can't really trust anyone. And he knows that Pytha would judge him for the choice that he made, even though we admit wasn't really a choice. Yeah. But Well, he did have a choice, but he would have it would have resulted would have in, died. in his death. Right. Yeah. But he wants Pytha to see him as she used to and not as someone who serves Atlas. Mm -hmm. This goes to just show you kind of like the true fabric of Lysander, I feel like. Yeah, like, right. This is just... He's showing who he is. 
Right. And he's compromising himself and compromising these relationships. He, you know, he's lying to the people that care about him the most in the world. And yeah. like, really, you should never, ever be doing that. If you are so scared that they're going to think differently of you because of a choice that you made. Maybe you made the wrong choice. Maybe you made the wrong choice. <laughs> you know. And I feel like he could have... He could have still told Pytha the truth here and like explain the whole truth. Like if I had said no, they would have killed me and put a clone in my place. Yeah. Or a lookalike. She just he would have just lost her respect and admiration and she would have looked at him differently. So he wasn't right, willing. Right, but he could have had right. maybe a true friend that right. might be able to help him, but instead yeah. he wanted He wanted to have his cake and, and eat it and too. He even yeah talks about like now i'm just i have to be her sovereign yeah basically and it's just like and then he's like crying into her arms and <laughs> i'm just like, like this is worse than him having sex with his aunt i know it's just jerk off like, motion is all like, i can go I out, like, like, get, go off, get out of here i also pytha after leaving the archimedes to me it's like a different person yeah Cause she was like a kind of piratey blue, mm-hmm. like rough around the edges. And now she's like mothering and sistering Lysander. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, I think that they had that relationship, right? I mean, she, they, she's known him since he was 10. So I could see how it developed that way, but yeah, she's like, his last tether to whatever their life was on that 10 years together. And so I think they're both holding on to something, you know, Uh, but let's hear this quote from Lysander here. With Rome no longer in my trust, I told myself I would confide everything in Pytha, but as she holds my hand, I realized that while she may very well understand why I accepted Atlas's offer, she will never look at me the same way ever again. Not with the protective love of an older sister, to preserve that, I lie to her. I tell her the tale I told Cicero and Pallas and my officers. This is just our Lysander spiraling down. He's the like, toilet. Yeah, he's like just further compromising himself like over and over and over again throughout the end of this book. Mm-hmm. He just makes these choices that lead him down like a darker and more evil path all in the name of what he wants. And so... And his image too. Yes, and his image and just like... I think comparing and contrasting like the choices that he makes to like Lyria and especially like especially Lyria I think is a really fun one because she's just like taking control and uh all of her choices are you know unapologetically her and like she's just owning every single aspect of it and Lysander is like shirking that constantly like he's just compromising himself over and over and over again and then Darrow's and he's doing not being brave, whereas Lyria's right. choosing like the harder choice. Yes, and she's willing to die. Brave. She's yeah. willing to stand there and die and get heart punched because she cares about her friend so much. But Ly- Lysander right. can't even like. And it's not just her friend; it's like she cares about what's right. She's yes. like Volga needs saving. Yeah. She saved Mars by coming out here. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the only person she has yep. to watch her back. Right. You know? Lysander is not really sacrificing right for other people right and he's too he's so scared to even talk to his older sister about you know the truth of the situation 
when he's like supposedly so justified in his choice Mm -hmm. you know so to me it's just i don't know that is like the rotting of lysander really where his like he does have morals to a degree but they're just like very rotted out in this book yeah uh after a while and they continue to do that throughout so i think the easy path the easy things to compare is like darrow and lysander and the choices they make and i think that's a great comparison but i really like looking at like lyria because it's so pure versus like how compromised lysander is Mm -hmm. and then this is our next quote comes from volga uh she is talking to lyria Mm -hmm. about lyria's choice to give up the parasite and then volga like embracing her destiny or whatever as fa's daughter as a murdering psychopath (laughs) yeah so let's hear that quote you will not understand you had power in here she taps my head and you feared it so you gave it up that is your choice I have learned to stop fearing what is inside me. That is my choice. Fearing what's inside you, Volga? <laughs> Just murdering everybody that right. isn't obsidian? This is real, like, I don't know, Stockholm Syndrome type stuff. She's like, to me... She's like she's adopted like, Hufa is. Right. She's just like repeating a lot of shit that he says to him. To, uh, like, he says to her, I mean... Uh, I feel like you think too that after her time being abused by Ephraim mm -hmm. that she wouldn't like so quickly be like one over by another father figure. But he uses like all of that against her. And I don't know the parts that made me most mad about this conversation between Volga and Lyria is just like how much the Ephraim, like whenever Lyria would bring up Ephraim to Volga, she just like really kind of blew it off and was like, he took advantage of me. He was using me. Yeah. And like, I don't know, like I thought we broke through all of that. Yeah. You know, in like Dark Age. Well, like when Ephraim came, like went to save Sefi, like yeah. he became a hero in the end. Yeah. You know. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like, how did Bob manipulate he her so easily in that? Ephraim didn't treat her well, obviously. Right. And she was a tool. Yeah. And she wanted that fatherly love. So Fa yes. just kind of filled that How much? Void. I guess that's the best explanation. It's just like how much she's looking for some kind of guiding relationship like that. Because mm-hmm. she does talk about how she was filled with hate and she was had a knife to his neck. And he said, yeah, you can kill me, but you'll die. And so she was not willing to do that. And then, he, but he also, as part of that, like convinced her how she, or like showed her how she was just a tool yeah, that was being pointed at him and that she had so much more she could embrace. But it's like, I don't know. She really just lost herself here, obviously. And it's, and and it's can, sad and it sucks. You can even see too when... Lyria standing there and Foz like coaching Volga. Mm-hmm. You can see the manipulation. Yeah. Firsthand. Yeah. And the guilt you know? and just like, yeah, guilt tripping her and just it's and shame and like all of that type of stuff. Yeah. He, she's like, my father did this, like the heart punching. Yeah. Thing. And he's like, yes. And more. Yeah. And, and worse, he's like, yeah. are you better than Ragnar? Ragnar. Are you better yeah. than me? She's yeah. like, 
okay, I guess yeah. I'll. <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know. She's, but like the really the the thing that gets me the most is like how she's just okay with killing all these animals. Not okay with it, but like how when she's she going along. She's going lover. along with it. Yeah. Yeah. And watching that Leviathan, we'll get to that later, but that Leviathan death was just... It's sad, man. My God. Come on, Pierce. Okay, and then our last quote is Fa, just putting that, like Aaron was talking about, like this is part of, you know, the guilt trip and the shame and kind of using all of this mixture, terrible mixture of feelings and her yearning for acceptance and love and a place uh, against her. And so he has this great quote, and I can't wait to hear Nick's fa voice. Let's just... go, Nick. She and the Republic are your past. I am your future. Choose. That's scary. <laughs> Choose. <laughs> that was fantastic, Nick. <laughs> Please don't hurt yourself becoming fa <laughs> he said he had a cold and it was a little croaky i couldn't even tell i couldn't t- well yeah. it made him more of a yeah, say maybe it may, maybe it helped the fall that voice. was a scary voice <laughs> you even got the accent in <laughs> nick's there nick's gonna haunt my dream <laughs> as fa but yeah so obviously this is kind of like that final moment where she's about to start with the heart punching and I, the whole These time, are the, the choices. I'm like, yeah, those are the choices that that was the choice that she was faced with. And then she goes, I couldn't believe she actually went through with as much of it as she did. All the way, yeah, the pink, like yeah. the the like the gold. Okay, it sounds like she really got into a rhythm. Yeah, she kind of like, <laughs> like I said, shark eyes. She was like, <laughs> but like you know, especially the smaller yeah colors. Like she's. She was always like caring for things, mm-hmm. yep. and you know, and I was so sad. I forgot Seagert died. I know. Yeah. I I was kind of thinking. I was wondering if he died too. I couldn't remember. I was like, does does it stop before him? And then yeah. he's like, hail, and I was like, ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then Man. she does make one final choice, and yeah. I thought it was interesting that Pierce let us have volga choosing like dropping her hand before darrow jumps out that's a great call out i i i noticed that too it was like i it was very much like she makes the choice to not, not to do, do it. it and then all shit breaks loose and so i'm i'm i agree with it you it could have been like she yeah. was like uh and then the she stuff didn't happens have to and make the choice. she didn't have to yeah that's a great point i love that she did actually make the choice to spare Lyria and was like, nope, I can't go through with this. Damn the consequences, whatever. She's but accepting a lot. Who knows? Moment. She could have been like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, it could have been like a, a quick, you never know, but lots of choices. Luckily it took a lot of convincing and a long time, but Volga made the right one. And then Darrow chose a good moment to come out <laughs> to of the Leviathan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have come sooner, maybe before Seagirt. It's a lot of time in that stomach. Yeah. I can't wait for next week. All right, let's go to our next segment, which is how was Cassius hilarious today? Cassius didn't get a lot of chances to well, be he was, humorous. He was sweet today. He was sweet today. He was a very, very sweet boy. Very sweet boy. Yeah. Such so. a nice guy. <laughs> 
I when he shows up and like he's like can't let you do this by yourself yeah Maria. and like, she's I, like you, you take can't care stay away from me i love when she's like yeah truth is you just can't stay away from me Bologna. and he's like hey. yeah <laughs> and then i think the sweetest moment is just him giving her the little kiss, kiss on, the, on head. the head and then um, he like my god <laughs> phases <He's> like, out <laughs> <laughs> iron man's <laughs> <Nobody>. off how's <laughs> 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 yeah. cassius sweet today and also badass. Yeah. He was... Love that guy. Yeah, he's fighting off some Askamani. <sighs> we should keep him around longer. I know. I don't know how much longer we're going to have okay. him. All right. Next up is... The Prime Five. Five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. I'll go first. <laughs> yeah. What do you got? Uh, I'm bringing back my segment... We had a, a piggyback ride today. Mm, yes. this is, We can talk about Goodman the Jolly and Fenrir. Yes. But yeah. remember, I was counting piggyback rides. Yes. It's been a while. It's been a while. And we're going to get one or two more. How many piggybacks is that? I think... Oh, shit. I think <laughs> we're at three? three. Yeah. Piggyback three. We'll say Piggyback that. number three. I need to go check. I really enjoyed Goodman the Jolly and, and Fenrir. They were... Well, Fenrir was kind of like typical stained <laughs> he was, strong and silent type he was badass though i love when he just like rolls up and he's like, he's like anybody want to make a name today and he's like look <laughs> look at these tattoos look at my stains <laughs> yeah and then goodman goodman's like i'll eat a sausage <laughs> yes goodman the jolly he seems like he's having a good time despite the bad vibes yeah, all around the bad vibes <laughs> so. do you i wonder how they killed them. They seem so like ready to. They probably just got rolled up on by like ten dudes. They seemed hard to kill, basically. Yeah. They probably weren't ready um, for it. It's crazy too that. Well, it it kind of to me shows Atlas's hand, where like no one gets away with anything. Yeah, for sure. Like Seagirt doesn't get away with it. Goodman and Fenrir don't get away with dropping her off. Yeah. Fa learned from Atlas, who's all about closing all the loops. Yes. So it's just like, yeah, nobody. Like, nobody can fuck around at all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, consequences are a thing for sure. Uh, I thought those two were going to have like more of a role. I do love how the Pierce's just ability to kind of make these memorable little characters in, in like. And then kill them immediately. Two pages of screen time, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Fenrir's got an interesting name. That's like a Norse god, I guess. That it's a it's a, a wolf. That's the son of Loki that starts like that kills Odin and like starts the apocalypse or whatever. So I thought he was. Well, gonna he have, did like, have a blood debt to Severo. I know. I thought he was going to have kind of like a bigger role, but he didn't end up doing anything. I learned that from God of War. It's a video game. What's up next? <laughs> On our Prime 5. I wanted to bring up the chapter Mashed Taters yes. and compare it to a chapter from Golden Sun, Bacon and Eggs. Yes. Do you remember Bacon and Eggs? It's uh, Mustang talking to Darrow. Yes. She's like putting him in his place uh, over, over Bacon and Eggs. Bacon and Eggs. And also, don't they get like a full feast? Yeah. And she's kind of like telling him off and like, you know, he's like, and she's like don't think that i'm some you know hussy that wanted to get with cassius i was doing this with for my family blah 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 and then she's like i'm in this whole thing so it was like this kind of 
very formative moment for the the Darrow Mustang relationship. He's very torn because he knows that he's lying to her, but he also knows that he's in love with her. So, you know, the drama. The drama. I miss that drama. I know. This, it's good stuff. Our current drama is a little scarier. <laughs> yes. But in Mashed Taters, I just thought it was interesting, like the two chapter titles, kind of a callback, both in the lunchroom, both with was women. Dude. Yeah. Putting Darrow in his place over food and where he's making assumptions about them in some kind of way and they're telling him off like no this yeah. is the truth and like this is who i am and what i'm doing and why and this is what i have to offer uh, so i thought that was cool and then i also like in that chapter where Severo's like she doesn't know about the thing and he's <laughs> yeah. like and plus cassius will hate it <laughs> yeah. like Severo's like definitely send her one yeah. i don't care if she dies and two <laughs> Cassius will hate it and <laughs> she can't compromise the thing yes that that's the first time where i was like oh the thing the thing i missed it last week when yeah they, yeah i was like mm-hmm. okay i'm ready the mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. which by the way is the hiding in the belly of the leviathan <laughs> that's the thing that's the thing next up Severo talking about ragnar man Gut punch. I know. Also in my heart. <laughs> the ability to still just Ragnar just tear up my insides. Ragnar causes me more pain. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's just... I mean, it's like that's like the worst fictional death of my life. It is the number one for sure. You know? Like these I think about them all the time. <laughs> it's just it's too much. I don't know if I think about them all the time. Well, it's but, just like I mean the pain is still the pain is deep always there like just rereading his short time with us and then the his horrible death you know and Severo trying to describe him to volga Mm -hmm. is also so sad because volga never had a chance to know him right and all she's heard is these legends and now she's hearing from someone that's like no, this is what he was really like. This is, you know, his whole story. And yeah. Like, and and Fa has spun a right. not good version of him. And Severo's like, he's the shield of Tinos. Yes. He literally fights for people who can't fight for themselves. Right. He doesn't heart punch them, Volga. Yes. That's like literally who he is. And I don't know. It was just like, is it emotional reading that again and then just thinking about poor rags building his house up in the veil and and he's like these people are fucking up man i miss that guy miss that guy uh but that was just touching for sure it was was a great moment and to me it's like severo joking about cassius over the mashed taters and then Mm -hmm. severo being jokey and then severo being sincere here i Mm -hmm. feel like we're getting like Severo's soul back. Yeah. Like we're getting that's a great call. The old Severo back yep. in these chapters. Yep. Yeah. Rever- Ragnar's abilities to like still make me cry like three books after he died is just ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Okay. Next up on the Prime Five, we've got Pierce. He's doing horror again. This. I don't like being scared. Harbinger shit was like. <laughs> I could picture this this was like so just easy like in my brain like 
all these people in the street cinematic the rain yeah very cinematic it's raining we're in the station yes open to the sea we're going against the people the yeah. people's going this way then we look over and there's just this fucking harbinger there and just like <laughs> he starts like slicing people up like, like that was like so what is happening i i can see all of that yeah and oh man it was terrifying and then you've got these like very horror movie moments of just like these absurd things playing out where you've got like a violet playing the heart. Oh yeah. When they're the, so, like, the flashes where they run. Past. Yes. All this death and destruction behind the gold diners. Like, so those, the first time I read it, I think I thought they were like statues mm. or something. And then mm-hmm. the second time I'm like, Oh, they're just old gold. Your old gold jewelry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember those commercials? Yeah. <laughs> they're just the old golds yeah like ready to die yeah they're just like waiting for the awesome to like show up and cut their heads off crazy which is weird but but yeah it's just like kind of these absurd moments in between all of this like very scary destruction and and death and murder and these askamani just are fucking terrifying yeah they're they're very and scary individuals. Like, like Foz Circle described, they they're like animals. They have no empathy. Right. They're very And I feel like Pierce gives you like killing for killing. a description of them, but it's not like like I still don't have like a fully formed Well picture. that's why I was like, aren't they the little guys? I, well, I have some some of the smaller ones I guess I do, but like yeah. I've st- like there's not been nobody's like attempted any art of an Askamani like big one yet, yeah or a little one really and it's because they've been evolutionarily changing out and i think that on the outskirts the lack of description and kind of like we get we get a little bit of a description of them at times you know but it's like that makes them even scarier because it kind of lets your mind yeah run wild a little your imagination run wild and There's then like you, little mutants. you can fill in the blanks and it and then kind of makes them even scarier in your head so yeah i, I love that but that that part was just like such like directly out of like an HBO TV show. I feel like horror movie. Yeah, and also it, speaking of horror, the them pushing the Greys mm-hmm. out of the warship into the yeah. sea on the chain and the golds, and they like salute while yes. they wait. It reminded me of. <laughs> do you remember in Squid Game in the tug of war? Yeah, and then when one would get pulled, they would each get like pulled by the chain. <laughs> Which gave me fucking nightmares. <laughs> I can't watch shit like that, man. What is the salute but, to Akari that they said? Akari, bear witness. Bear witness. Yes. I was like, I want to start doing that to like <laughs> very mundane things. You know, like, Akari, bear, bear witness. witness. And then like flip my eggs or something. <laughs> <laughs> you could have said like... At least, like playing kickball or something. Yeah. <laughs> the most. I want to go for like the most mundane <laughs> things, like wash my car or something like that. Just like watch out, walk outside. <laughs> Akari, bear with us. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I just feel like that was that's a badass salute. Oh yeah, that's but a really like, good one. They just know they're about to all drown and yeah. be eaten by giant fish. Yeah. Fucking and then them describing them and after that when they cut open the leviathan mm-hmm. and they spill like bodies into the sea from the guts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all those guys. <laughs> yeah. 
Not the same guys, but different guys. I think but it's the same guys. guys. <laughs> I bet it's the same guys. Well, Volga ended up catching a, a smaller one, so she caught like a calfling. They said. Oh really? She didn't catch. Cyaxeres. Speaking of. Cyaxeres. Cyaxeres. So sad. Man, this was. This made me tear up. Very sad. This yes. poor big fishy. I was like. It's basically the Loch Ness monster of Europa. First of all, can we talk about this like description of this? Like the multiple eyes and mouths and fins <laughs> and shark face, but then also it has like other heads on top of it. Yeah, on top of fins with eyes and mouths. And he's also like the biggest. And then he's got three dorsal fins. He's got lots of fins. I uh, I was just this was the extra heads. I did not remember that from the first time around. I don't know if you've seen the movie Tremors, but it really reminded me of a graboid (laughs) with the like snakes coming out of its mouth with the extra heads. I did. That gave me nightmares. (laughs) I was like, this is a graboid. Uh, But I I love Tremors. Great movie. But I think the description wild, first of all, just like very wild. And it's wild. crazy. You're like, this like is a gross, ugly, hideous, hideous fish. and But then it's like so and sad. I'm like, this is the saddest thing I've ever read at the same time. <laughs> it's like the death of 3,300 years or yeah, something. Yeah, that was like, yeah, the part about Europa's soul. And then like, it's like last moan of just like 300 years of like of suffering or something, suffering, suffering and loneliness. <laughs> loneliness. And so it was like, Jesus. Pure. <laughs> that was. Daryl's and Severo and Cassius. Cassius is inside too, right? Yeah. Because, well, we don't know yet. <laughs> but they're just inside chilling like, Man, this thing's fucking sad. And then just like the whole thing start to finish with like. Fa jumping up there and just tried it <laughs> eight million times. I'm like, dude. And then he's like, Chuck me out. <laughs> yeah. Killed I the killed Leviathan. <laughs> and I love Lyria. It's just like, he's a fucking bitch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He doesn't like, hunt. He doesn't do it. Like, he he's just. He's not even doing any of the yes, work. I love that. I love that where she's like, and he, his like fraudulence is just on full display in that yeah. moment. That was that was and great. in that moment you can see that Volga doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. She's like looking away. She can't even watch. That's just like, come on, girl, come on. Yeah, get it together. Volga, I'm, I don't know. I know I'm a little iffy on her now. As I much as like, as much as I loved her, I'm very mad. She would not eat a muffin right now i wouldn't give her a muffin i would be if a little she had a upset. muffin she would rip its heart out that's i would what she would do if i had like six muffins i would take the muffin that i wanted first and then i would give her the rest of the muffins but i wouldn't let her let her have first choice at the muffins <laughs> why would you give her more muffins? because she's ultimately okay and i still <laughs> like her i still like her and but she's she a big lady <laughs> but she can't have the first muffin anymore yeah fuck you Volga. Yeah. I'm mad. If I had the muffin, I would eat it. <laughs> Not before me. All right. Now that we've finished our Prime 5, it's time to name our Primus of the Week, or we choose the one character who conquered our proctors of plot and rose above the rest. Our Primus of the Week is... Lyria. That's an easy one. Of Lagalos. Our girl. Lyria. What a Fat character. Fat Rat Gamma. <laughs> 
so many people called her a like Volga called her a rat more than once, yeah. and then Fa was like rat. <laughs> She's like, get the fuck off. <laughs> it's a bad rap. Like. Jeez, lay off the rat shit. That's a tough. It's a tough. And it's not her fault. She was a gamma, right? Yeah, I mean, nobody chose to be here, right? Uh, yeah. So Lyria earned it this week. What a just! I love Lyria. She did great this week. She's the bravest of them all. Oh my god, so brave! And I just, would not have uh, done that. No, I've been like, she'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, she'll figure it out. I'm sure. <laughs> <Just> kinda... <laughs> You guys just do the I'm thing. I'm just gonna wait and see. I'm gonna hang out down here if it works. Watch some hollows. I'll come talk to her after you kill Fa. Yeah, that's where I would start. Yeah, <laughs> like good luck. Um, all right. So yeah, congratulations, Lyria. Gosh, it's just great to see her continue to develop. One of my favorites. And she used to be one of our least favorites. Oh, I know. Good for her. Now Volga. The scales have changed. The tides. I've shifted. Yeah. Shifting sands. <laughs> Shifting sands. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go to the Howler mailbag. We've got some tidbits, of course. What do you got for us this week? Cassie P. Cassie. Pew, 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 pew. Hello, Howlers. It's Cassie with tidbits for chapters 63 through 70. I mainly just focused on two things this week. I don't know. It's a lot. This first one's kind of like, second one's a lot. Chapter 64, Lady Bologna is said to be playing Cassandra. Cassandra was the daughter of King Priam of Troy and was a priestess of Apollo, gifted with the ability to tell true prophecies, but cursed that no one would ever believe her. Now I'm inferring that she gives all of her prophecies unsolicited, because I don't know why people would keep going back to her if they never believe a word she says every single time. Here's the fucked up part, because there's always a fucked up part in a Greek myth. Per the myth, Apollo granted her the gift of foresight because she consented to sleep with him. He got pissed when she changed her mind, but since he couldn't take back his gift, he tacked on a curse. I'm sorry that that must have been frustrating for you, Apollo, but let's everyone remember that consent can be taken back at any time. Not fucking cool, Apollo. Now, there's no telling if Pierce is using Cassandra here in the more modern sense, like, here she goes, worrying again, or like me constantly saying people are going to die in the next book. Or if he's using it in a classical clue kind of way that what she's saying will come true. From the contents of Lightbringer so far, it seems like it might be the rhetorical sense, since Atalantia had her eyes set on Luna. But who knows? Lysander may have moved up a few spots in her strategic priorities, or she could just be so vindictive that she decides to wipe out his little rebel alliance while her other foes are pinned on the surfaces of Luna and Mars. Now the second one involves Lyria and Volga. Don't worry, just relax, I'm not shipping them. It's a callback. In this section, Lyria goes off on a mission to recover and redeem Volga, a treasured friend and comrade and it reminded me very much of Tactus's tragic end. Both Tactus and Volga embarked on their journey, let's call it to the dark side, while nursing grievances. And that leads to anger, anger leads to hate, blah blah blah. Tactus was tired of being called the mighty servant by his family, having his worth questioned by the sovereign, and being shut out by Darrow. 
there was that quote during that last scene. Was there a plan? No one ever told me. Volga's grievance was, of course, with the way that she'd been treated by everyone, like no crows. We saw that in Iron Gold, and then seeing the way that Obsidian had been exploited, that's how she sees it. So she kind of already has this kind of chip on her shoulder coming in. Both Tactus and Volga had blood on their hands when their friends found them, and they may well have gone on to spill more innocent blood had circumstances not intervened. When Darrow said he'd rather die than do what Octavia ordered Tactus to do, Tactus confesses that he was, after all, the mighty servant, implying that he would have carried out his orders. Volga had Lyria scared shitless, though not literally, because Lyria does say that she felt like she was going to shit her suit, but to the point where she could barely speak. So Lyria was truly afraid that Volga was going to kill her. I do wonder, what does fearing your friend, not being afraid for your friend, but fearing the friend herself to such a degree, what does that do to a friendship? I guess we'll find out. Now, where the two differed was that Tactus wanted to come back, but was not given the chance. This exchange in Golden Sun always gets me. Ugh, Tactus. Tactus starts. But I wanted to see what you'd do if you were worth following. Was I? You know that answer. Am I still? He nods. Always. Volga showed signs of disagreeing with the things Foscourt was doing, but it sounded like her indoctrination was proceeding passably well, and she did not want to come back. Of course, unlike with Tactus, Volga ends up extricated from her situation alive, and we'll hopefully get to see that rehabilitation process we didn't get with Tactus. I wanted to take a minute and comment on Volga's logic when she discussed the history of man with Lyria. The logic that Others have done what she's doing and been celebrated for it. It was okay for them. Why not her? Or similar logic of everyone else is doing it. Or it's all over TV or social media. It's easy to slip down those logical steps and numb yourself to the wrong that you're doing. Some things cannot be undone, no matter the regret. So howler, stay true to your inner compasses and listen to your better angels however they appear to you. Lastly, with Volga, Pierce presented us the duality in life. Earlier in the saga, we got to see the difference between Harmony and Darrow, one poisoned by hate, the other nurtured by love. However, while we know what Volga is being fed are lies, she perceives what Fa is doing for her as love. He's given her everything, while the world before had given her nothing. Volga's fervor, however manipulated, comes from a genuine desire to gain a place for her exploited and oppressed people. To paraphrase Darth Vader, from her point of view, the Republic is evil. She's a freedom fighter. Yeah, there's two sides to every coin. No sign-off from Cassie this week. Motherfuckers! <laughs> yeah, we'll howl for you. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Thank you, Cassie. I feel like that one was for you because it was you. You 
liked tactics. <laughs> you wonderful nerd, you. That was just full of just In Star Wars. Was incredible. The thing. Oh man, that made my all the Star Wars references made me very happy. I was going, is that Star Wars? <laughs> 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 and heed Cassie's words, howlers. Yes, that was wonderful. All kinds like consent wise following your better angels wise take take back consent (laughs) there's a lot of follow your better angels (laughs) there's a lot of good advice in there very important life advice from cassie and i do i appreciate the tactus volga comparison not one that would have you know triggered for me across i've never seen anyone make it so that was wonderful and it is extremely interesting to now see like what the other side of that would be where Volga actually does have a chance to kind of rehabilitate. I love the point that you brought up about how your friend almost killing you could change your <laughs> relationship. <laughs> would it? And I also had not considered that. And, yeah, so, it's, and like right after this, it obviously all hell breaks loose. And then Volga like then saves lyria Mm -hmm. so it's almost like an immediate Mm -hmm. act of repentance by volga i guess or i don't know she's starting to make up for it already yeah uh and then cassie also wanted to add that she was so excited to see heather on the pod she was inspired by heather to share all of these tidbits so that's that's really nice too we have so many wise and wonderful researchers <laughs> who do the hard work <laughs> yes um, also apollo sounds like a bad dude yeah that was <laughs> most greek gods are, are not yeah not good yeah okay this one comes from crystal bartlett she said i'm listening to episode 104 and i had to stop so i could write this email to complain about quicksilver you guys were talking about whether you would want to go with Quick on his little asteroid, and I'm going to have to agree, no, that does not sound like a good time. I was annoyed about all of the stuff Quick was saying when I read Lightbringer. I think I felt he was coming up with a convenient exit from the story for himself. He doesn't want to be a part of the war. He doesn't want to help anymore, so he's just out? Are you kidding me? You basically started this shit. Quick, get your ass back here and help. Yeah. Also, I think I realized the other thing that was bothering me as you were talking about the children of the corn and their own son and how they could all just kill each other, do they know that they're inside of a world inside of an asteroid? Probably not. So even though they aren't forced to do a certain job, they are the new reds in the mine. They didn't choose this life. It was just forced upon them. They didn't get to experience being part of a society. Uh, and maybe they can eventually create their own families in there, but right now they really don't have family. How long until they find out they're in a bubble? And then what? It's like the Truman Show or any book where the author has people in a bubble of society and they realize there is more out there. I think of the children's book series City of Ember or when Veronica Roth tricked us with her divergent and all of society mm-hmm. also wasn't divided into factions. Those people Spoiler. always find out that they are being... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's it's uh, Crystal's fault, not ours. Those people always find out that they're being watched and controlled in some way and they want out. So fuck quick for doing that and I don't like it. And I really, I don't know why I'm so pissed about this. It's rational. <laughs> As always, Omnis for Lupus. 
Hicks on Leones and fuck Lysander. Crazy, wild, voice cracking hell. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you do the voice cracking ones. Yeah, that's a great point. All of those stories about the bubble kids. Yeah. Nobody likes it. Quick. Yeah. I mean, like, you can kind of say that about any form of existence. Like nobody really, I didn't ask to be here. I think about that all the time. But Well, I think back to Men in Black and I'm like, what if we're on a marble yeah. that a big alien has put on his cat's keychain? <laughs> what if that's us? That could be. <laughs> I don't know, man. You're asking the wrong guy. But yes, I think like knowing yeah, when, that there's other options. And how long until one of these kids grows up to like sneak away and figure out what's really going on and yeah. then what then you didn't really trapped. say they're like are they looking they're not like necessarily looking for another planet it's not like he right. said that yeah they're just like they're just continuing on this asteroid i know good luck with that sounds t- like a bad time it does i just it doesn't seem fun all right you know what it's time for what are we into this week aaron what are you into i'm warily into uh, True Detective season four. Mm. I've seen. I want to start this. I have. Uh, how many episodes have I seen? Three or four. Uh, I guess three episodes are out right now. It's kind of scary. <laughs> the uh, the past True Detectives were less. The past seasons were less ghosty. Right. <laughs> What's the word? Supernatural. Ooh, supernatural. No. <laughs> This one's supernatural and it just, it fucking gives me the creeps, man. They're like up in Alaska or something out in the ice in the middle of nowhere. And it's like perpetual night. It's, it's night all the time. So yeah, sometimes, and the show does a really good job of like, they're not like in your face, like good morning, you know, but like a character might be like eating pancakes and it's dark outside and you're like, is it morning? You know, <laughs> I would not want to live there. That would be extremely. Dark. I have a hard time in just normal winter <laughs> yeah. with it being dark, you know, more of the time. But the the acting's great. Jodie Foster is amazing. And it's a spooky show. And trigger warning, there's like some scary dead bodies. So maybe don't watch with kids around. Because if I were a kid and I even glanced <laughs> some of these scenes e- it might be hard to forget <laughs> i heard the showrunner was or i read that the showrunner was very inspired by the thing which um, is one of my favorite horror movies i haven't seen the thing because i don't like horror movies <laughs> this is like as scary as i can stand which you probably don't think is scary yeah but it's there's a lot of mystery so i'm curious to see I'm going to go home and watch that first episode tonight. Ben, what are you into? I'm into some music. I went and recently saw the traveling Broadway show Girl from the North Country, which is a musical based on Bob Dylan's music and lyrics. Oh, that. Oh, I heard you and John talking about this. Yeah. I was just like, Bob Dylan's old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> So the pl- the Is the musical good? was probably not like my favorite thing in the world. Obviously, like the performances and like the people involved, incredible. Like the like the talent of those people just like blows you away every time you go to one of those shows. I would say the story is kind of like 
not making a lot of sense and it's kind of just like there's a story and then there's a bob dylan song and then there's a story like a musical yeah but it's not like it doesn't like yeah tie in real well it's one of those musicals where they use popular songs which doesn't always yeah flow as well right and so there's yeah there's not a lot of flow in between like the story and the music it's just kind of like story Song. song story song but the music is really good and there's like a live band that plays during it. Like I said, the performances are incredible. And so I've been listening to the soundtrack just because the songs have been stuck in my head and they make like Bob Dylan's not the best vocalist, right? But he's a very good songwriter. So like they took all these songs and now they're sung by people that can really sing and they make them and like put them in interesting arrangements and stuff. So the soundtrack is really good. So I do think the show is worth going to see. If it's coming to your town, I would hi- I would definitely recommend it. I know some people I went with didn't love it as much as I did, but I thought it was good. And like I said, I've been really enjoying the soundtrack, so it's worth checking out regardless. Nice. I didn't. Even, I haven't heard of it. Especially if you're into. I'm not like a big Bob Dylan head. Yeah. But like if you were really into Bob Dylan, I think it's something like you would be. You'd really like. Yeah. 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 I've seen Bob Dylan live. Yeah, I heard you, he looked dead. He was very old. <laughs> the whole my review of the show was just old wow he's old wow (laughs) maybe he should stop was my review what's coming up next week in two weeks on hallerpod in two weeks yes we're taking next week off oh i so if you're listening week to week this won't matter if you're like just popping in but if you're listening week (laughs) to week uh we are taking next friday off there will not be a new episode on february i think it's the 9th Yes, February 9th, no new episode. Next new episode will be February 16th. This episode comes out on February 2nd, which is my birthday. Happy birthday, it's a birthday Ben. Episode. This is a birthday episode. <laughs> but next, what are we reading? Next week on Hallerpod, <laughs> which we just explained is in two weeks, is chapter 71 to 76. Clang, clang, clang. Clang, clang, clang. <laughs> Goes the trolley. <laughs> I don't know. Confess. <laughs> we should make a musical. Oh, we're, we're writing it. <laughs> okay, Howlers, thanks so much for joining us today. Special thanks to Miles, our best friend, <laughs> for the episode art. We got a sick-ass trident this week. That was awesome. Which has gore on it from... Cyraxeries, yeah. <laughs> the Leviathan. <laughs> special thanks to Nick Brinlow and a uh, special shout out for your creepy fa voice. Very creepy. Very well done. Cheers. <laughs> 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 Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Where we're raising the roof weekly. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> we, we should have started something cooler. I think it's like, pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right and follow us at howlerpod on all your social medias at h-o-w-l-a-r-p-o-d email us for howler mailbag howlerpod at gmail.com voicemail is 1-800-516-1540 all this uh is on howlerpod.com spread the word about the books always read the comic books if you didn't listen to the new audio mm. drama Morningstar coming out soon so good Mm -hmm. it's just like if you're hungry for more Mm -hmm. content it's great 
and rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then I guess we'll hook you up to a chain of other bad reviewers. Wow. And push out the warship. And fish for Leviathan with you. Yep. That's awesome. Sorry. And we won't even say, Akari, bear witness. <laughs> well, they, they'd have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say, five stars. You didn't give it to us. <laughs> bear witness. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Howlers. Omnisphere lupus. Oh. <laughs>